Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. All right, so we're going to continue in our teaching series on the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bible, if you would turn with me to Ephesians, we're going to be moving into Ephesians chapter 6 this weekend. As we've been going through the series, the whole idea has been on unity. Everyone say unity. And this idea has been broken into three different ways. We've been looking at our identity in Christ, which had been the first three chapters. Uh, we would then have moved into the f- chapters four and five, where we looked at the unity that we would have, would, which would be walking in our faith. That would be the unity that we have. And then this weekend, we're moving into this last section right here, which is standing, that we're standing against the enemy in victory. Friends, I need you to know that I've read the end of the book and Jesus wins. That's good news. And so we as believers, we don't need to shirk back. We don't need to be afraid. We can take a stand. And if God is with us, who or what can be against us? Do you believe that church? So this weekend, I'm calling the message simply this, taking a stand in our home and taking a stand at work. If you would follow along with me here in Ephesians chapter six, verse one, here we go. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. I'll say that again. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Verse 5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but also slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Last verse. Here we go. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. There's no favoritism with him. Would you join me in prayer, church? Let's pray. So, Lord God, as we now dig deeper into your word, into your inspired word, which is useful for for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man and the woman of God can become thoroughly equipped in every good work. I pray that because of the reading of your word and the studying of it today, going deeper in it, that we would leave here changed more like you, Jesus. We love you, but only because you love us first, and it's in your name that we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the home and we're going to look at work. And I just want to tell you, the first part that we're looking at is this idea of us obeying our parents. That's the first section there um, that we have in Scripture. Uh, I'll never forget 25 years ago, as in, uh, my wife and I as our first um, placement in ministry, and I got asked to speak one particular weekend at the church uh, on what it meant to be, and I think the title was, correct me if I'm wrong, it was Raising a G-Rated Kid in an R-Rated World. That was the title that I was given. And so I did my best to preach a mediocre message that weekend, uh, and uh, the feedback that I got from the congregation was really pretty good. Trust me, I was capable of much worse. Uh, but then there was this mom and this dad of some pretty defiant children that came up to me after the service, and they basically, with a smirk on their face, they said this, I'll tell you what, how about you preach that message after you have a couple kids yourself? And I'm like, wow, that one hurt a little bit. 
In essence, what they were saying is, is like, hey, you know what? Why don't you um, just hold off until you've actually experienced something to be able to speak about it? And I get a little bit of where they're coming from. They're having some trouble with their daughters. But at the end of the day, God's word is either true or it's not. Do you believe that to be true? And so if the whole thing is, is like, well, I have to experience it for it to be true. That just breaks down quickly. And so my, my, my point is, is that there's this idea of obeying our children, whether you have a child or not, whether you know your earthly father or mother or not, it's still true. I remember going to a friend's house one day and their their daughter was crying. And I looked over at the daughter, the puddly tears and, and the eyes. And they're like, I'm like, why are you crying? And she looked at me. And she's like, my dad is so mean. And my friend looked at me and she, and she said, I guess I mean because she was chewing on the electrical cord that was plugged into the lamp. And I didn't want her to have a shocking learning experience. You know what I mean? So I told my daughter, don't chew on the cord. Now, I do realize some of you parents are like, let them chew away, right? Let them learn the lesson the hard way. But friends, what I need you to know is, is that at the end of the day, obedience of a child really is an issue of submission. If you have your notes, if you would write this down, obey your parents. Why? Because it is the right thing to do. It is the wise thing to do. Um, uh, when we begin to think about obedience, obedience can be summarized as doing something. Um, yes or no, right or wrong. But the other word that comes next is this idea of honor. If you would write that down. Honor your parents. Now, honor and obedience sound very similar, but they're actually quite complementary. Honoring comes from an attitude, whereas obedience is an action. And I'm going to tell you, a child most likely will not obey you if they don't honor you. Say that again. A child will not obey you if they're refusing to honor you. So we begin to think about honor and obedience in our home this way. We call it the family plan. You might have a family plan from where you came from. But basically the deal is the same deal my parents gave me, which is, is if you are walking with the Lord, if you're getting good grades, if you are having good friends, then you're not going to have a lot of worries. But the moment you start being a knucklehead, you're going to have a bunch of bills coming your way. I don't know if you guys grew up with that family plan or not, but it worked really good for me. And the only reason why it really worked is because I knew if I was out of line, uh, the dollars would stop flowing, right? And so one of the things that we do is we've raised this idea that, that while children are in the home, they are to obey. But once they leave the home, that's when it turns into honor. And honor is an attitude. Obedience is a choice. Why is this? Because God said so. And also because there is a promise that comes with it. It's on the top of your notes there. It's in our passage, verse 2 and 3. Look in your Bible. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy a long life on earth. So here's the premise. When God makes a promise, he always keeps his promises. That's a good time for someone to say amen. When God makes a promise, he always keeps his promises and the promises of God are yes and amen. And so when God says something, the answer is yes. 
And so scripture goes on to say in verse four, and it's interesting, Paul denotes that this is specifically for fathers. Now, it applies to mothers and fathers, but specifically, this is what he says. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up and train them in the instruction of the Lord. Now, I did a little bit of a word study. I went down this really dark hole of what all this meant. But basically, this is what I wanted to share with you this morning, church. The idea isn't as much as we don't want to exasperate them as much as we want to lovingly and devotingly lead them and lead them well. What do I mean by that? By being the spiritual leaders of our home. That is what Paul is telling these men to do, which is to step up. Their primary responsibility was to disciple their families. If you would write that down, is that it is that we are to disciple our children. And how do we do that? By giving them attention and affection and by providing discipline and correction. Uh, Just for a couple more minutes, I'm just going to talk to our guys just for a moment, because sometimes we as men screw this up and our ladies get it right a lot more than we do. Sometimes we misinterpret what it means to uh, give attention and affection by buying things for our kids, by, by buying stuff. But the truth is, is that children, to feel loved, sure, they may like the gift, but really what they want is they want your attention and your time. Just somewhere on your notes, would you just write down the word time? T-I-M-E. Time. That's how children equate love, is are you spending time with them? I've had the the responsibility of spending time with men as they're getting ready to breathe their last breath here on earth. And I need to tell you something. I've never heard a man tell me, I wish I would have spent more time in the office. I have had several men tell me, I wish I would have spent more time with my children. I wish I would have told my children That I love them. And so that's the thing, men, that I want to challenge us to do. Is I want, as uncomfortable as it might be for some of you, I want to challenge you to go beyond your comfort zone to let your kids know that you're proud of them and that you love them. You know, it's one of the things that I know as being a dad of a daughter who happens to be sitting in the front row. So sorry about this, honey. I don't want to exasperate you. Um, but, uh, what I, what I, what I had a mentor tell me one time is, is this, is like, Brent, you need to make sure that you tell your daughter that you love her and that she's beautiful because she's craving that. And if you don't, another man will. I thought to myself, I want to be the guy who tells her that until I give her hand in marriage to that other guy. And so what I did at a young age, and she probably remembers it, is whenever I tuck her in at night, I would just simply say this. You know that I love you, Paige? Yes, I know that you love me. Um, and, and how much do you love me, Daddy? I said, well, this is how much I love you. Uh, I love you so much that there's nothing that you could ever do that would make me love you any mess, less. And there's nothing that you could do that would make me love you anymore. My love for you is going to be forever and for always. And I said that to her for years. I don't say that anymore because she doesn't really want me to tuck her in at night. <laughs> Something about being 18. However, what she does know is that I love her. And what I'll say to her is, is Paige... I love you. Paige, I love you. And what will you say? I love you too. I love you more. And what will you say? I love you most. And so that's just kind of our little fun way of just saying is this, guys, men, we need to be willing to verbally. And if you can't even do it verbally, then do it with a text message or write it or email it or leave it on voicemail or sticky note or whatever. 
but just tell your kids that you love them. And the reason why that's important is, is because when you discipline them, they need to know that you love them. See, that's how we show love. And I think that's one of the, and I just don't want to give parenting advice, trust me, but I would say this is one of the areas where I do see a lot of well-intentioned parents missing the mark of parenthood, is that they refuse to discipline their children because they want to be their friends. And, and I'm just telling you, as the scripture says, the opposite, Proverbs 13, 24, write that down. If you love your children, you will discipline them. And so I would say to you that, that it is unloving not to correct your children. It's not a loving thing to do. Now, how you do it, it's mission critical and it's key. Um, uh, I remember as a child uh, uh, loving to collect Star Wars cards. Do I have any Star Wars cards collectors out here at all? There's like seven of us. Good. Okay, it's a good number. Um, so I remember wanting to collect these Star Wars cards. And, um, and it became kind of an expensive hobby. And I remember one night going out to eat with our family, and I had no money. I mean, I was broke as a joke. And I was, uh, I was, I was, my, my parents had some friends, and we were at this restaurant, and I knew there's a 7-Eleven across the parking lot. And so I said, hey, Mom and Dad, can I have some money so I can go buy some Star Wars cards? To which they said, no. I'm like, ah, oh, all right. So I said, hey, okay, no problem. Can I go to 7-Eleven and just take a look? They're like, no problem. So 15 minutes later, I come back. And I'm, I got bubble gum in my mouth. I'm chewing the gum. I got some cards in my pocket. And I'm looking at the cards. And my dad looks over and he's like, hey, are those Star Wars cards? I'm like, yep. What's in your mouth? I'm like, bubble gum. Remember how they put bubble gum in the cards? I'm chewing the bubble gum. And, and he asks, hey, well, where did you get the money for those cards? And I'm like, oh, I found some. <laughs> no, it's called I'm a criminal and I shoplifted it. So mom and dad took me over to 7-Eleven and I had to apologize to the owner of the 7-Eleven for stealing a pack of Star Wars cards. I'll tell you what, that was the most expensive pack of Star Wars cards I've ever <laughs> paid for because I didn't pay for them. I stole them and my bottom side felt it a day later and I paid for it. Now, you may think to yourself, that's corporal punishment. Blah, blah, blah. No, no, guys, I am 52 years old. I remember like this yesterday. Because my parents were willing to lovingly discipline me in the moment. To turn a blind eye or just to go and pay for it, make it go away, would not have taught me the lesson. Am I preaching that, everybody? So scripture is saying is that we need to be willing to correct our children. And then, if you would, write this down. We need to be willing to direct our children as well. Now, how do we direct them? The direction is, is that we want them to, to be directed in a love for God, a love for God's word, and a love for for the church. And the best way we're going to be able to direct our children is by our action, by our words, and by what we're doing. See, mom and dad, what kids want to do is they want to learn not just from our words, but from our actions. They want to see how we're living our life. For some of you, I want to give you some props right now, mom and dad. You showed your devotion by getting here today. It was not convenient. It was hard Maybe your kids are at home recuperating from the, you know what I mean? But you're here and you're modeling for them that this is important and that you're modeling for them a love for God's word when you're reading it and also a love for the church when you're supporting it and giving to it and serving at it. I guess what I'm wanting to say is simply this. Let me encourage all of us as parents and grandparents, of course, to continue to look for ways to, um, to, to put some sweetener on the oats of spiritual growth and life for our children. It's not just what we say, but it's also, most importantly, what everyone, what we, what we do.
It's what we do. And our kids are watching all the time. One last thought that I want to share with you, and then we'll move into the workplace. Um, at the end of the day, and these are conversations that I have with our pastoral staff, and Crystal and I have this conversation, and it is, what does the partnership look like between the church and the home? And I really think that these are, this is an important conversation that we have as a church family. And that, that the church is the light. Today's Bible reading talked about that, right? We're the light of, we're, we're like a city on a hill. And we're the light of Christ. We're the light in the darkness. But the home is the heart. It's like, it's, it's, it's the beating of the heart. Like, like you gave life and you, your children are your heart. And so there is this partnership and this collaboration and this connection with the spiritual formation of your family. What am I saying? I'm saying is the church has a role. And the family has a role. And they're not to work against each other, but they are to work with each other. Does that make sense? We're here together. We're collaborating together. So one thought on that, and then we'll move to work, is is that this upcoming Christmas, to be able to get your kids, grandkids, whatever, involved in being on a stage, telling and knowing and singing the Christmas story. I have those memories in my head to this day. And what a wonderful way to equip and partner together your family and the church family. Good? All right. Let's go ahead. Let's go to the next one here. We're going to be standing at work. And we're on the home stretch here, everyone. And that is simply this, is that our work really does matter to God. That is the one spot and the one place that we spend more time away from our family probably than anywhere else. And what I want to get us thinking about is simply this. If people saw us at work who or what would they see? And one of the biggest complaints, and I'm not saying Bethany Church, but in general, is that who Christian people are on Sunday at 10 a.m. and who they are on Monday at 10 a.m. are two different people. That they perceive themselves to be something on Sunday and they live a very different life Monday through Friday. Friends, this is called dualism. This is called hypocrisy. And we need to make sure that we're not doing that. Scripture on your notes says this, uh, the, the position, verse 5 to 8 of employees, that we need to obey our masters with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, obey just as we're obeying Christ, obeying them not to win favor in their eyes, or, but, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from our hearts, serving wholeheartedly as if we're serving the Lord, not people. See, sometimes we'll read a passage like this and we're going to get caught up in the word slave and master. I just want to say that the the, the modern-day equivalent for us would be boss and employee, or employer-employee. At the time of Christ, I did some research this last week, there were an estimated over 5 million Roman slaves in the world. And a majority of those Roman slaves were so voluntarily. The way uh, people were treated in the time of Christ as a slave is very different than our understanding as a nation. Do you guys know what I'm saying? And so uh, a lot of times in the Roman culture, a slave by title was an extension of the family. And so this relationship between a slave and a master, we have, it kind of triggers us like, oh, I don't like the way that sounds. So don't get triggered by it, but lean into it for what it looks like today. It's this idea of being a servant. If you would write that down on your notes, is that we are to serve our employer. And how do we serve? We serve by being dependable, by being honest, and by being loyal. Our heart would be that we would want to be as Christians the best employees that anybody would ever want to have. 
I remember when Amy graduated from Fresno Pacific with her teaching degree, there was this understanding in the community that that school districts would actually favor to um, hire teachers coming through the credentialing program at Fresno Pacific because they were just they were a cut above everybody else. And for me, I would say that would be my hope as Christians is that when a person heard that we are a Christian, that we're applying for something, that they'd be that, that people would say, oh, man, that's a person of integrity. That's a person who's going to show up on time. They're going to work hard and they're going to give their very best because there's something different about those Christians. And here it is. The Bible says what's different is, is that we're not working for our employer. Who are we working for? God, we're working for the Lord and he's our boss and he is always watching. I heard a funny story about a pastor who looked out his window one Monday morning and he looked at some guy who looked just like Jesus. Freaked him out. So he called his friend from across the street at the Presbyterian church. He's like, hey, I'm pretty sure Jesus is on the outside of the window looking at me right now. What do I do? And the Presbyterian said, you need to pretend like you're working really hard. Now, the funny part about all that is that a lot of times we think to ourselves, oh, we're only going to be working when we feel like people are watching. But as believers, God is what? Always watching. And so as employees, I just I know that some of you guys have less than awesome work environments right now. I know that your boss may or may not know your name. They may or may not appreciate what you do. But can I just remind you that you are there on a mission from God? And that you may be the only Jesus that that employee, employer, or that company ever sees. And that you would serve him well. Why? Because God tells us to, but also because God makes a promise. Look on your notes, everyone, in verse 8. Because when we do this, listen to what it says, the Lord will reward each of you whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Guys, lean in and listen to what I'm going to say right now. Your earthly father might have broken every promise they ever gave. But I need you to know that your heavenly father is a promise keeper, not a promise breaker. And when God makes a promise, he always keeps his promises. So friends, when you're working for your boss, when you're working for your company, you're working for the Lord. And God's promises are yes and amen, and they're always true. And then as an employer, let's turn, let's turn the corner here as we're getting ready to land the plane. That masters treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them since you know who, the, uh, who both their master is and yours is in heaven. There is no favoritism with them. That, if you would write this down, the same fill in the blank would be simply this, that we would serve our employees, that we would be dependable employers, that we'd be honest and that we would be loyal. I had this opportunity on uh, this last week to attend a um, an awards banquet downtown in downtown um, Fresno. This uh, there was this uh, locally, um, it was the Ag Business Awards, and um, and so uh, I went down there and, and uh, my father-in-law and family's business, Amy's mom and dad, they're in the dairy business and the farming business, and their business was being recognized as the Ag Business of the Year. It was a huge, huge honor. But when I was down there, I got to see a friend of mine named Bill Smithcamp. Bill's family, and he, he's the president of Wawona Farms. You guys have heard of Wawona. They make peaches and canned fruit here in town. And there was this wonderful conversation that I had with Bill and my father-in-law, Pete, where they were just talking about what an honor and what a privilege it was for them to be men of faith in positions of leadership in the community. 
and to steward that well. And, you know, when, when they showed the slideshow and the video, and I was, just, I was just blown away by what a platform leaders and business owners have in their businesses to make a kingdom difference. There was just something uniquely different about a Christian businessman and a person who was not. It was like salt, and it was like light. And I just thought to myself, for those of you business owners and leaders who you feel like you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, I need you to know you're making a difference. You have an opportunity to serve your employees as leaders, to serve your team the way Christ served us. He loved us, didn't he, everybody? He'd be willing to get down on his knees and wash feet. And people would be willing to die for him. That's just what I know, is that when we serve the way Jesus serves, it shows Jesus well. The reason why we do this is because leaders to whom much has been given, much is to be expected. So let me encourage us all to lead the way Jesus led. Amen? So here's your next step as we're getting ready to close, and I'm going to have Christy come up and close in this final song. Here it is is simply this, is that we're going to take a stand to be a witness at home and at work. That we're going to take a stand to be a witness at home and at work. You know, that word witness, um, when I think of the witnesses, I think of the, the last words of Jesus when he ascended into heaven and he has his disciples there and they're on the Mount of Olives. And he said to them, and you will be my what church? Witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And so Bethany Church, whether you're watching online or whether you're here today, I want you to look at your witness. I want you to be reminded of the fact that you are that light, that you are that salt, and that the Lord has placed you not only at work as an employer or an employee, or at home as a mom, a dad, or a child, or a grandma, or a grandpa, but he's got you perfectly positioned right where he wants you to. We're transitioning now into a time of communion. And on your way in, you received um, some communion elements. And if you didn't, I think you could go find those or some of our, uh, our ushers are going to be making that available um, for you. But while you're preparing yourself for that, I wanted to read a scripture. And all you need to do is if you don't have one of the communion elements, just raise your hand. And our ushers, we've got some down here in the front. Um, Leon, down here in the front as well. I have a Bible verse that's going to come up right now, and I would love for you all just to listen to what Paul, what Paul says to the church in Corinth. He says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for in your 10 a.m. meetings at Bethany, sometimes they do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there's divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. So friends, we've just spent three months walking through the book of Ephesians looking at unity. And so what I would say is is that if there's something in your heart right now that is causing division for you to be anything other than united in Christ with each other, I encourage you when I pray to deal with that. Scripture goes on to say this in 1 Corinthians, that everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. So friends, this isn't like a, like, this isn't an appetizer before we go to Mountain Mike's. This is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ. This is the Lord's Supper. This is a big deal. 
On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he would take bread and he'd break it and he'd say, this is my body broken for you. And he would take a cup and he would say, in just a moment, I'm going to die on a cross and the blood spilled is going to be a new covenant in my blood. And when you drink of that, you're drinking the atonement for your sins. Not based on what you do, but what I'm going to do. And that is the good news, church. Let's pray. So Lord God, now as we receive communion, I pray that we would be mindful of the truth of Scripture today. That Lord God, you've called us to be different. You've called us to take a stand. We don't need to be afraid because we know that you're with us and you're for us. And if you're with us and for us, who or what could ever be against us, including the enemy? So now by the blood and the atonement of Jesus Christ, we take a stand against anything that the enemy would want to do in our homes and at work. Lord God, we need to be light. We need to be salt. You've called us to be witnesses. And so right now, Holy Spirit, would you reveal in our hearts and our minds if there are any ways where we are finding ourselves disunified from a brother or sister? And would we, would we deal with it right now? Maybe that means that we need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe that means we need to write a note. I'm not sure what that is. But God, we desire to be unified. We desire, God, to stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us, most notably you, but others here, Bethany, so that we could become the bride of Christ that Northeast Fresno needs us to be. Lord God, just like our facility, we are all under construction. And God, you're continuing to do a new work in all of our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, continue to equip us for the next generation. Engage in our hearts into community and expand beyond the walls for greater impact in this world. We love you, but only because you loved us first. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.